your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to another day of COVID nineteen. We should just call the show COVID nineteen from now on. The coronavirus talk PM. How's that? 608 785 7914. The Sugarloaf Ford talking text line. If you want to get in here, um, bringing Jen Rabalski, Lacrosse Health Department, on in 10 minutes or so. Yeah, 10 minutes. A little less than 10 minutes. Uh, and she's going to talk about the fact that it's here. It hit Lacrosse County. Um, Jen is the Jennifer is the Lacrosse County Health Director. A little later in the show, Mary Kay Wolf and I talked, and I'm going to play that. Uh, Mary Kay Wolf is with the Great Rivers United Way, and they're doing something pretty awesome. So they have combined with the Lacrosse Community Foundation, two groups teaming up. They've set up an emergency relief fund to help those impacted by COVID-19. So we'll hear from Mary Kay Wolf on exactly, not exactly, because nothing is exact at this point, somewhat on what they're doing, because every minute of every day it changes. But essentially they're trying to get money out to groups that are where groups are going to start getting a lot of requests for people in need, right? Because you've lost your job, you've been laid off, you don't, lo- you no longer have any hours because your store closed, your restaurant co- closed, your bar closed. Um, we also have a list going, and it's here. It is. It's it's called "We're Open for Business COVID 19 So go to wisdomnews.com, and right there you'll see it, big red letters, "Open for Business." It's a cool graphic. Good job. Yeah, Brian or Puck, whoever did that. And uh, this is a list that's going to change. It's already got to change. I already got to go edit it. Uh, uh, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Menards, normal operations as of right now. So it's an alphabetical list right on the wisdomnews.com homepage. If you're thinking about, oh, you know what? I need to go get whatever. And I don't know if the store is going to be open. And you could go here, wisdomnews.com. Click the open for business link. I already know that Dick Sporting Goods is closing tomorrow. So I have to change that one. Uh, They're going to do online orders where you can get in-store pickup. Not in-store. They'll bring it out to you. Out of store. Right out of store pickup. Uh, But yeah, Dick Sporting Goods closing tomorrow. I believe they, they changed their hours yesterday to 11 to 8 p.m., but now, yep, day, day later, they're closed. Uh, Festival Foods open 5 a.m. to midnight. Hy-Vee and Winona, 8 to 8. Nui's Vogue will offer free big lunches for children in need. Sam's Club open 9 to 8, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6 on Sunday. Topper's Pizza in Alaska making small pizzas, like I said yesterday, for, for kids, for children that are no longer getting lunch at school, right? Valley View Malls closed, but J.C. Penney and Barnes and Noble, as of last night, were open. So, it's one of the things where <laughs> maybe we got to crowdsource this right. And and as a group, we could you could always just shoot us an email news at wisdomnews.com. That's right in the in the story too. And uh, hey, I was at Sam's Club, and their hours are totally changed now again. I, there's a, just shoot us a picture, shoot us a text six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. 
And that's what I was. I was just driving around uh, checking out business doorfronts, storefronts, and uh, and seeing you know what was what was going on. I go in, stay six feet away, and just ask people. A you know a lot of people were like, no, our the mall is closed. We're not closed, but the mall is closed. That's not fair. Uh, just getting some some information. So, um, yeah, that's that's on the again on the Wisdom News homepage. I think that'll be a good resource, and it's going to be a list that keeps growing. We just we just did this like an hour ago. We put it out. I wrote a story earlier today. If you get the Wisdom News newsletter email each morning, um, there was a, a list there. But now we've evolved that list. And on the break, I'll probably go change the the one store hour that changed again. Um, all right, so in a couple of minutes, Jen Rabalski, Rumbalski, I want to get rid of the M there. Jen, Jen Rumbalski, the La Crosse County Health Director, is going to talk to us about the fact that the virus has hit La Crosse County. Um, we'll just we'll just talk to her about you know where that where that uh, how that information came to be, what they did. I know I talked to the county yesterday. They said once they knew about it, it would take about two hours to get the information to the public. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that went. If that if that was true or not. Um, all right, we're gonna hit Drew in the news in just a minute. We'll be back right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to the Cross Talk PM. Brad Williams in studio with me. We're gonna we're gonna crowdsource. We're gonna Wisdom source this interview on the phone. Brad is. Yeah, this is about, we're about five and a half feet away from each other. Jen Rabalski, is that okay? Can we be five and a half feet away from each other? Is that okay? It is okay, so long as no one is coughing. Don't cough, Brad. And then I'll disinfect his his microphone later. Uh, Jen Rabalski, that was the voice of Jen Rabalski. She's on the phone, La Crosse County Health Director. Brad's holding toilet paper. We've got, it won't be here now for long because somebody will find out that there's secret toilet paper in here. All right, let's let's try to get a little serious. I'll turn your mic on too, Brad. That'll Thank help. You. Um, Jen, uh, all right. People want to know how how it went down today. You guys got confirmed cases. Were you, did you did you get woke up in the middle of the night or what happened? I did not. So um, thankfully, these cases came in this morning around uh, in the seven o'clock hour and. Um, When we received notification of the cases, um, one of the first things, of course, we wanted to do was to make sure that the patients were aware that they um, had been confirmed to have had a positive lab test result. So we did that, and then we notified the media in regards to this, um, the case. case. At the time, we only knew of one case, and then even after sending that media advisory, the second case um, was confirmed, and so we then set up a media conference and spoke with the with the media and the public at 11 a.m. Okay, so it took about four hours to kind of get everything out, get everything situated, and then out to the public, huh? Well, I think, you know, it certainly can be faster, but the media conference was already pre-set up, actually, at 11 o'clock for the county's announcement about the buildings not being open. So it could have happened more quickly, but we thought it might make sense to just have that same media conference that media would be notified of. Um, But we did let media know within, I would say, within two hours for sure about those cases. They just didn't have the level of detail that we provided at the 11 o'clock media conference. Now, Jen, this is Brad. Uh, If you people who did not see, let's say, the live stream of that news conference earlier, uh, you did explain that... uh, there was an element of travel involved in in both of these cases or connection to travel, if if I'm correct. 
Yes, that is correct. So these particular cases, these are um, two individuals that live in households in our county. And so the households, um, uh, in one situation, the individual themselves had traveled out of the state. And in another, in the other situation, um, the significant other of the individual that had a positive test result had traveled. Um, so in that case, we're looking at within households um, that the individual who had traveled outside of the state, all domestic travel, so not international travel, um, that in that situation, the individual that traveled uh, most likely exposed the significant other who then came down with symptoms. And it seems these, uh, the symptoms... Uh, let's see, the symptoms started showing last week, and then they were tested. Is, do we have any uh, accurate way of knowing how long they might have had the uh, virus before they showed the symptoms? So what I can tell you is that based upon our investigation with these two cases, um, these individuals had, um, we think, had been exposed and then developed symptoms within three to six days of when they were exposed. Um, The symptoms that they were showing were from what I would call very mild to moderate. So one individual had um, low-grade fever, not even 100.0, and then also um, had a cough, a dry cough. The other individual with moderate symptoms um, had uh, a fever, had a cough, had a sore throat, significant body aches, um, had uh, indicated that her stomach hurt. Um, so a number of symptoms in that moderate case, but both individuals are isolated at home and are um, recovering at home, not requiring hospitalization. Um, and we do expect uh, additional cases to occur even within that household. And how this works now is that we don't necessarily test individuals in the household if we've known, if we know that they've been exposed to a confirmed case. Um, they may or may not be tested, but would just be isolated in their home. So they're not, the person that has been confirmed, you know, uh, the story on wisdomnews.com says, you know, one lives in a household with up to six other people that you wouldn't mm-hmm. quarantine that person to like the garage. They're just going to live normal and, and maybe expose everyone else. Is that how that would work? So um, in these in these households, um, the majority of the family members are already showing symptoms. Okay. Um, so you know if if they're in, and in one of the situations there is a family member that is not on the same floor of the home and does not have symptoms. So in that situation, right, they we would be trying to have them not close together, not be congregating to prevent spread, even within the household. But once symptoms are all present. Um, then it you know it doesn't make sense to have family members be away from each other. How long does the test take? You get a test, and then how long before you know? Yeah, so the way that that works, and it depends upon which health care institution you go to. So if you go to Mayo, for example, that test gets shipped over to Rochester and is um, is done. The work is done in a lab there, and then we get the results back. Um, through the electronic disease surveillance system for Gunderson until they come online with their testing ability, which should be soon. Um, Their test is going through the Wisconsin State Lab of Hygiene. Both healthcare institutions' tests are coming back into our Wisconsin electronic disease surveillance system within about a day or two. So both of these individuals that were tested and were determined positive had done their test on, on the 16th. 
Okay. Um, I'm getting a couple of texts from people listening. They just, they really want to know where were these people that they got the virus? Uh, is that something you could tell us at all, generally even? Yeah, like not where they live, but where they were traveling right. is what I assume. Yeah, you're where they came from and probably contracted this. Yeah, so I think that's an important question to answer, actually, because it does help us understand the virus. So um, these these individuals um, had well, the in the one case, this, the person who had the confirmed case did not travel, but the significant other did. Those travel, um, the travel they conducted, one of them was in Illinois. And one of them um, flew and was in Texas. So what I think is important to note here is that those at the time um, when we were doing travel histories, those were not states that we knew um, had confirmed community spread. Illinois only came on board with that yesterday. Um, and we've actually been kind of aggressive with putting states on board with community spread. We've been watching that very carefully. Um, and so I think it's important to know that um any travel outside of the state of Wisconsin, perhaps even inside of the state of Wisconsin, at this point, this is why we no longer do the travel form, because it's sort of a uniform risk of wherever you went. And so um, you really should be monitoring for symptoms right now if you've traveled outside of the state. Um, if it's been in the last 14 days, you should be observing yourself and monitoring for cough, fever, um, sore throat, difficulty breathing. And um, our message right now is if you can stay home, stay home, um, because we, you know, it's hard to know now who has been exposed and where. Um, and then also the message would be if you are sick, particularly if you have any respiratory symptoms, you should not be at work. You should not leave your house. You should not leave your car. Um, we don't want those folks, um, you know, grocery shopping at the pharmacy, at work, that's how we're going to prevent the spread is making sure that particularly if you have symptoms, you not be out and about. Are you, are you surprised that we didn't get any confirmed cases until now? Well, um, I don't know if I'm surprised or not. We're not surprised that we have cases. We've been doing a lot of tests. Um, I, I kind of actually expected we would get a case before this, to be honest. Um, and, you know, we've been testing for um, pretty heavily, I think, for the last week or so. Um, and as much as we've been testing, we anticipated that we would have a case. We have, uh, as I mentioned, we prior to yesterday, we're asking people to fill out a travel form. And we had a lot of people in this community fill out that form. And we spoke with hundreds of people. Um, and, and our community is very mobile. We are routinely moving around going to visit family, going on vacation in other states, in other countries. Um, so, you know, I think it's a good sign, actually, that we don't have more cases right now. But I just want to say we fully expect to get more. Um, that will not be a surprise to us. Do you expect that uh, we're going to see some more cases in the surrounding the more rural counties? Uh, we've already heard, uh, for example, in Allen McKee County, Iowa, that, mm -hmm. that there are a couple of cases. Certainly, I think that's very, very possible. Um, as you think about how, you know, where we have cases currently in the state, um, I was a bit surprised that we only had for quite some time one case in the western region. Um, and, you know, we were seeing like southern, southeastern region, some in the eastern region, nothing yet in the northeast or, or the, I'm sorry, the northern or the western region aside from Pierce. Um, I, I fully anticipate that case numbers would continue to climb at this point across the state. 
um, we're expecting that. So, again, we just want to message, message that that does not mean we should panic. It does not mean that, you know, we're all going to come down with COVID-19. It just means that we have to be taking precautions. And, and we do mean when we say, please wash your hands frequently if you're touching surfaces, because that helps you in case you're in a space where somebody had it and doesn't know it yet that you're not infecting yourself by putting, you know, that virus on your hands and then to your mouth or your nose or your eyes. Uh, and likewise, with people who might be coughing or experiencing respiratory symptoms, we want them home first and foremost. Um, but if in the past days, um, you know, we have been in contact with someone, you know, it has to be within six feet um, for that droplet to be expelled from someone who is sick and then picked up by someone who is not sick yet in order to be um, exposed and then come down with symptoms. There has been uh, discussion by some experts I've heard in the national media and other places that uh, they expect it realistically that perhaps 50% or more of the population, uh, uh, they were saying either could be exposed or infected. Uh, How realistic is either one of those at this point? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I can't say how realistic that is. Um, but, but what it does make me think about is to just recognize that the majority of individuals who, who actually come down with symptoms or test positive for COVID-19 or are exposed, their symptoms are going to be mild. Um, so we're so grateful that, that, that the virus is presenting in this way. That doesn't mean that we take that for granted. Um, We still need to be absolutely doing everything we can, every single person in this community doing what we can to to make sure that we're not out there if we're symptomatic, that we're washing our hands and not infecting ourselves. Uh, All of this is done in the way of trying to protect those that are at the greatest risk, which we don't know everybody in our community who is at the greatest risk because those we know those that are 60 and older, um, but we don't know everybody who has an underlying health condition and might come down with more serious um, symptoms from this virus. And so, by doing our part, we make sure to protect those that immune systems are not going to be able to kick this virus out as as quickly and as well as us normal healthy individuals. This is going to keep growing. Uh, how many people? Do you know how many people you've tested so far? That's a great question. We don't know that exact number because not all of the tests come into our electronic disease surveillance system, as you can imagine, as they're doing all of these tests. The labs um, are reporting negative test results to us, and we're trying to contact folks um, that have negative results so that they know they're negative. And then the message is, if you were in quarantine or you were in isolation because you had symptoms, that would mean you're in isolation you need to remain um, that way for 14 days um, from the time that you think you were exposed. So we're calling folks with that message. Um, so I could look up the number of negative test results, though I haven't done that yet. Um, and I would tell you that the number of people actually tested um, at this point is going to be higher than the number of negative results and positive results together because there's this time frame before sure. we get those um, I would say at this point, over the last week, we're in the hundreds of people that have been tested, uh, but I don't have an exact number. Okay, so uh, we'll just say, let's just say 100 people have been tested. You're saying, you know, in the last week, so it might be another two weeks before before we would determine whether or not they're okay because of the quarantine situation? 
Or am I getting that wrong? Because I feel like the test um, will come back way before that. Yeah, so if I think I understand what you're saying, it's, um, you know, if we define okay as they're not hospitalized and they don't die from the virus, um, no, I'm everyone saying like that the, we've been in contact with so far either doesn't have symptoms or their symptoms have not gotten worse and nobody has required hospitalization. I guess the test would come back, you know, probably in a day, right? Like you kind of said two different hospitals are two different things, but is it like 24 hours the, the COVID test yeah, is going to come I would back? Say, I would say it's one to two days right okay. now. So test results from the 16th came to us this morning, for example. Um, you said somebody traveled from Texas so and you said it was airplane, airline travel. Does that mean everybody on the airline is probably got to get tested on that air so on the, that flight yeah so air international airports have been on um what i call our sort of um our algorithm of helping people understand their risk level and uh, it wasn't a specific item but if they had been in an international airport in the last 14 days we had been telling them we think that's low risk not no risk and that we wanted them to monitor themselves. They didn't have to be in quarantine, but we wanted to monitor, have them monitor themselves for 14 days and then call their health care provider if they did come down with symptoms in those 14 days. And that's 14 days from when they were at the airport um, generally or when they started yeah, getting the symptoms? Yeah, that's a good point. Usually we've been using 14 days from when they get home. Um, right. But it, I, that would make sense, that 14 days, days from the date they're at the international airport. Typically people... Um, are at an international airport like Minneapolis or Chicago and then are home the same day. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're very stringent with the actual getting a test. And I understand that you don't want people to come to the hospital willy-nilly because they think they may maybe have it, could be because obviously they could spread the disease if they do have it. But is there also a, a part of this where you don't have a ton of tests available? Like, you don't essentially, you don't want to run out of tests. So you can't just test everybody? Yeah, there is. Um, so the test is done by an oral or nasal pharyngeal swab, and so it kind of looks like um, it looks kind of like a Q-tip, um, and it gets put into a tube that has a reagent. So um, we are we are wanting to be careful with the supplies of those reagents and swabs. We have had some potential supply chain concerns. It hasn't resulted in us not being able to test locally here, um, but we are watching that carefully. So it's for that reason, and really not everyone needs a test. So I think it it is about determining who really needs to have a test and then um, trying to assure that we have the supplies we need to test people who really need to be tested. How tough is your job right now, Jen? Do you you sleep at all or... Well, if you asked my family, they would say that they don't see me a whole lot right now, but they understand that the work that we do here is really important. And I take my job very seriously in terms of serving the community. Um, uh, but I do, I do sleep well, actually. And I still go home at night, even though I, um, I live, you know, a, a distance away from the office. Yeah, I'd imagine you're pretty tired <laughs> from. I, I just, just see, it's probably very stressful, right? Every day is just you're, you're probably learning something new every day, and then on top of that, you're getting questions from all of us. You know, the information, uh, the way that it's coming in so fast and furious, is difficult. And then every sector of this community has questions. Um, today's, you know, questions were about childcare facilities and about businesses in particular. Um, and then, you know, having communication with healthcare. But, you know, what we have in public health is just like police and fire and emergency medical systems, we have incident command training. 
And I can't tell you how beneficial that has been. What that means is we understand our roles. So I'm currently the incident commander of this particular public health emergency in La Crosse County. And I have members of my team that are in operations, that are in public information. Um, And so we spread that out and expand that as we need to. And the team members here and our community partners make it easier for us to do that because I can't tell you the number of positive responses that we've received from our community. They, they need us right now, and they need to know the right information, and we're doing our very best to get that out um, because that's really critical. The most important message here that I can share with anyone is we cannot panic. We will not, um, we will not make good choices if we are not um, if we don't have a level head. And so all across our community, you know, we just have to remain calm and understand that there are processes in place to assure that this goes the very best that it can. Um, as with any emergency situation, there will be things we can make better for the next um, situation that comes around. Uh, but I think in general, we just heard very heartwarming, positive comments from people in our community who are trying to do the right thing and are making asking good questions and um, are remaining calm, and that's going to make a big difference. Do you get to walk around with like a cool commander hat or maybe a vest with a C on it or anything? <laughs> I must have missed that memo because <laughs> I don't have a cool vest that you says could. Incident Commander. But, um, yeah, uh, I do have a, a, a really great team, and we all know our roles, and, and uh, we're doing them well. I know that was a really good question, but is there, uh, uh, just to wrap up, is there any question that I didn't ask you or that we should have asked you that maybe we missed? Yeah, I think, as I mentioned, the note of the day today on the calls that we've been getting are particular to businesses. And so I I just want to, um, the best way to get to businesses is through the media and through our communications with the chamber and things like that. I just want to make sure businesses are thinking about not just the public, but their workforce and understanding that businesses will have members of their workforce that um, might want to come to work with symptoms. And we would ask you to please please support them to stay home. And we would ask that if public members are coming into your business with symptoms, coughing, we would ask them to, to not be in, to not be there. They need to be home. And again, um, you know, thinking about those who we're trying to protect, if we have members of our workforce that are 60 plus might have underlying health conditions, let's try to support them so that they don't get sick from this um, because we don't want to have those severe cases. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jen, for yeah. coming on and, yeah. and putting up with us. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Uh, that's Jen Rabalski, Lacrosse County Health Director. Uh, she mentioned businesses and, and just in general how, you know, like how to keep everyone safe. But when we come back, Mary Kay Wolf from the Great Rivers United Way I did an interview with her, and she's going to talk about what they're doing to help those that have been affected by the closing of businesses and how, you know, essentially they're not getting paychecks. So we'll be back with that, but we got Scott's comment, the news coming up. All right. Welcome back to the cross talk PM on the phone with me now is Mary Kay Wolf with the great rivers United way who along with the lacrosse community foundation has set up some emergency relief funding to help those impacted by the virus, COVID-19. How, how are you, Mary? Mary Kay? I'm good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I did it again. I got I to gotta keep, uh, keep your name straight. All right, so I got this uh, information today, earlier today, from 
Scott Robert Shaw, and I, I was. Uh, this is awesome. We need to get this word out. So describe what you, the United Way, the Great Rivers United Way, and the Lacrosse Community Foundation are are doing. Yeah, we um, both of us, both the United Way and the Community Foundation, are fundraisers. And so when we started last week looking at what can each of our organizations do to support the community at this really, really um, interesting time, (laughs) what could we do? And I think both of us at the same time kind of went, well, we can raise funds. That is, that's what we do uh, normally. And so pretty much simultaneously, we kind of both got a hold of each other and said, well, what are you doing and what are you doing? Turns out we were doing very, very similar things, and rather than go into this with, well, we'll do our thing and you do your thing, we said, let's do it together and make that statement of this is all about community. I know Jen Rambolsky's statements about all hands on deck in the healthcare industry. We figured out why not do all hands on deck for fundraising, and so that's why we decided to do it together. You guys started thinking about this last week or earlier than that? You know, I, I think we both... Both organizations started to think about it last week. We actually contacted each other on Monday morning. Okay, because, you know, last week it was kind of like, well, it's going to get bad, but we don't know. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was, oh, man, people are losing their jobs. People are getting laid off. Um, So this was great. I I mean, everything happens day to day, but it was nice. It was probably nice that you guys started to, uh, you know, roll things out a little bit at least last week to start thinking about this. Otherwise, you'd probably be three or four days behind. And at a time like this, you can't be three or four days behind. No, you really can't. And I have to, I have to really give credit to both our organizations. We, <clears throat> we put this together really quickly, and we worked as a team. And I think the results are showing. Last I heard from Jamie at the Lacrosse Community Foundation is that the fund is up to eighty-three thousand dollars. Okay, so there's eighty-three thousand dollars, and are you just going to go on top of? maybe the tallest building in lacrosse someday and make it rain or how <laughs> obviously not but how are how are we going to so, distribute funds who who would be uh, best apt to uh, maybe get get some help from you guys great question so our goal just to be very clear is that we are going to ask uh, nonprofit a- nonprofit agencies who already work with vulnerable populations in dealing with Im- uh, economic impact to apply for funds that they might need to have uh, use because their their requests are going to go way, way up. So this is not a way for an individual to get money directly from the fund. This is about qualified nonprofits who currently do this work as it is. Do you have a couple so, of do you have a couple so, of groups already in line there? And could you just name a couple just to give some kind of example? I can tell you that Cooley Caps, for instance, works with um, people living in poverty and homelessness, and trying to find them a way to keep their homes if they, if they don't, if they ha- are about to be evicted. You know, Salvation Army does that as well as the um, Lacrosse Area Family Collaborative, the YWCA, New Horizons. Anybody that works with housing programs, we anticipate that they're going to get some requests that may say, "I'm, you know, what I can't, I'm not going to work for a month. I'm going to lose my, I can't pay rent." So those kinds of requests are going to go up extremely high in the next couple of weeks. We've got people that are restaurant workers that don't have jobs now, and we have the potential of tellers that aren't working. I mean, this is a big issue normally. You know, the Alice report tells us that here in La Crosse County, 
there are about 24% of people who, households, who live in a situation where they're, they are one tragedy away from falling into poverty because they live paycheck to paycheck. And now that paycheck is going away. And so they just don't have a savings account or they don't have that support structure to get them through a month with nothing coming in. So while the government is trying to put something together, we don't necessarily know what that's going to look like and we don't know how long it will be before that comes in. So we thought that we would provide an opportunity for agencies to help before the government does. Okay, I don't know if this is a question for you, but so the, like you said, the, the, the requests are going to flood in. A lot of people's lives are going to change with the ability to, their ability to be able to pay for things like housing. Um, do those people need to, they can't come to you, so they need to go to some of those groups you named, right? I mean, this Exactly. Oh. Yep, that is how it will fly. So we are going to take applications from agencies that are doing the work, and we're going to be looking at those applications on a daily basis. And so the questions that are being asked are very simple, and there's not very many of them. And then we will try and make those decisions daily and get back to that agency right away. So this is going to be a very quick turnaround so that there's not a long wait and a long, you know, wondering if they're going to get the funding or not. Again, talking with Mary Kay Wolf, Great Rivers United Way. Uh, She's partnering, or her group is partnering. The Great Rivers United Way is partnering with the La Crosse Community Foundation to start to build up a, a, a kitty to help people in need. And, and it's probably not just housing, right? There's going to be other aspects to this, right, Mary Kay? Yeah, food um, food is a big deal as well. So we, we may get requests from um, food organizations that try to, to either are a food pantry or they provide food to a food pantry. So that's going to be an issue as well. Schools may apply for for all we know. I mean, this is this is a little bit of uncharted territory as we're all in right now. Um, so maybe a school has a need to um, get gas paid for to get these deliveries of food out to the students that they're trying to do. So there there could be all kinds of requests. The one thing that will be very keen to, for us to um, discern is that is this an impact because of the virus, and and that is very key to this particular fund. This is an emergency fund, and we are definitely in an emergency situation. Yeah, on the flip side, along with those who are going to be in need, whose lives are going to change, probably just changed in the snap of a finger the last couple of days. On the flip side, you're going to need money. You said you're at about $83,000, I believe. Um, yeah, I know. We, I know you we got. We started some, out at twenty five thousand yesterday morning. Yesterday you know, morning, we so we've we, like the virus. We're doubling it in a day, which is this in this in this regard is good. But yes, you're gonna you're gonna want people maybe you know the, for those in need go here, but also for those who have an abundance of wealth, I guess, or or maybe businesses. I don't know. Like you're asking for donations. So how would we, somebody yeah. help out? So right now, the best way to do that, the the fund is being housed at the La Crosse Community Foundation. So if you went to their website, which I'm going to quickly pull up and give you that website. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Keep talking. I got it. Okay. So go to the um, La Crosse Community Foundation website, and right on that homepage, you will see how to give to this fund. You could also go to Great Rivers United Way which is gruw.org. We have right on our homepage, you will see the information, and we have a link right to the donate, uh, ability to donate straight to the La Crosse Community Foundation from there, too. Yeah, so I'm on La Crosse Community Foundation. Big purple banner on the top. There's a little green, not even little. It's i got a big screen here. 
uh, a big green banner or big green button that says donate, click here. That's that's the one? Yeah, that would be the one. And um, if you went to grew.org, we have right on the homepage, there's the COVID-19 response. Um, if you click to learn more, you'll get a lot of information on that. But then that online credit card donation opportunity link is right there as well. Okay. Um, am I missing anything else? Uh, what else do we need to tell people? <laughs> um, you know, I would just say to check back. Uh, again, you could give now, and, you know, in two weeks things could change drastically. As we know, things change drastically in two hours. So I think it's really important just to to keep track of how the fund is going and how many people are getting helped by it. And if you're applying for funds, apply for those funds once. If you realize that you're going to need more to do what you already applied for, there's not a reapplication process. So, I mean, this is going to be quick and efficient, and um, we just ask people to give what they can. Um, and then uh, one more time, your your website, the Great Rivers, is it greatriversunitedway.org, or is there a lacrosse? It's actually, it's G-R-U-W.org. Org. Okay, that's that's right. Because I was I, when I Google Great Rivers United Way lacrosse, it doesn't. That actually, oh, it just sends me back to greatriversunitedway.org. Is that okay? Well, we have that too. It's just faster to say gruw.org. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> that works. I just just to clear everything up. Um, all right. So my last question, because I'm not fluent in um, being uh, somebody in need that maybe needs food, maybe needs to start thinking about housing payments. And I'm not going to have that list. You have that list in the back of your head. You can name it off, you know, Cooley Cap and all those. If they call the Lacrosse Community Foundation, an individual, or the Great Rivers United Way, will you be able to point them in a direction, or should, or will you, or will that yep. overwhelm you guys? No, we can refer people, but we think your best bet is to actually call two one one. Two one one is a informational and re- information and referral. Um, phone service. It's really all about what resources are out in our community, and they are taking calls, and they have all of that right at their fingertips. Okay, that's perfect because that—that's uh, I didn't know that. So, um, all right, Mary Kay Wolf, Great Rivers United Way. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thanks, Rick. And that's all the time we have. Thanks, guys. We'll do it all again tomorrow.